Blog Talk Radio. Hi, everyone. This is Denise Brown, your of Your Caregiving Journey, a talk show that helps you as you help family members and friends. It's Tuesday, April 11th. It's 1 p.m. Central Time, and we're live out of Chicago. Our guest is going to join us in just a few moments. Darian Halligan is one of our panelists at our June 2nd event which takes a closer look at the impact on caregiving, of caregiving on the workplace, and vice versa. And Darian's going to share his caregiving story. And the reason he's so interested in this issue in just a couple minutes, I just want to give you one quick update before we have Darian join us. And that is a reminder that on April 21st, we're wearing green to be seen. So we started doing this four years ago. It's an annual event. We put on something green. We have green T-shirts that we've sold. Actually, you can still win one. We have a couple contests going on on caregiving.com. They end today, so stop by for a chance to win. Share a six-word story about today. Tell us the name of a book that you would write about your caregiving experience that will enter you into the contest to win one of our green superpower T-shirts. So wear green to be seen on April 21st. Take a selfie. Post it on social media. Use our hashtag CareGreen. It's one of the ways that we try to bring visibility to the family caregiver experience. You can be currently caring for a family member or have a previous caregiving experience. When you take your selfie, share your photo. Also share a bit of your story. Tell the world about what it's like for you to care for a family member or friend. So just a reminder, April 21st, wear green to be seen. Take a selfie, post it on social media, use the hashtag CareGreen, and tell us a little bit about your caregiving story. I'll retweet, I'll share, I'll connect with you. And I'm grateful for all of you who do this every year. It's fun. It's just a simple thing, doesn't cost us any money, but yet it's connecting us to each other. It's just another way for us to feel supported, feel like we are part of a greater movement, and to know that we belong to a community of like-minded, like-experienced individuals. Okay, so that's it. So let me bring on Darian Halligan. Again, he is one of our panelists who's going to join us on June 2nd for our Caregiving in the Workplace Summit, and that happens in Chicago. You can register to join us in person or to watch virtually. We will broadcast the event. So hi, hi Darian. How are you today? I'm doing great. Thanks for the invitation. Yeah, so grateful that you could join me today. And I'm grateful that you're going to be part of the event on June 2nd. One of the things that we've been doing to help get the word out about the event is have special podcasts on a regular basis. So it's great that you're able to join us for the podcast too, Darian. So I'm curious, you have a personal caregiving story. You cared for your father. And your story could have ended with with the end of your caregiving experience when your dad died. And yet you continue to make this issue a priority. Why is it important for you to get out, share your story, and be part of a dialogue about how caregiving impacts the workplace? Yeah, sure. Um, I think the reason why it's so important is because... Uh, it's something that that is still 
impacting me on on a daily basis, uh, partially because I'm now um, starting a cancer analytics business, which part of that is uh, has a has a care advocacy piece, uh, which directly impacts uh, family caregivers. Um, also, I'm I'm a mentor with Immerman Angels, uh, which is which which gets together different caregivers here in the Chicago area, uh, and I'm also I'm, I'm mentoring about one person every every quarter, uh, and a lot of my conversation is uh, is about you know managing work versus um, what we have to do to care for our loved ones. Uh, so, but I think, I think outside of those two pieces, um, you know, my, because of the depth and breadth that, that I personally had to go into to care for my father, uh, I, I think I had a, a somewhat of a unique experience, uh, especially because I quit my job not once, but twice to To care for my father over a six and a half year period, and I'm hoping that uh, uh, me sharing my experiences might help somebody else who's who has to spend a great amount of time uh, to give care to their loved one. So it's always interesting to me how a caregiving experience changes life, not only in terms of your personal life but also your career. And what's interesting about your story is that you did leave two jobs as you were caring for your dad. Tell us a little bit about how you, how you decided to leave your jobs and then how it's actually then moved you into the career that you're in today. Yeah, that's a great question. So, uh, the reason for me quitting my job was quite frankly, I needed to sleep at night and I was probably working. Yeah. I was probably working, um, um, anywhere between 70 and 90 hours a week between my paying job and the job of providing care to my father. And I just couldn't handle it. Uh, and I had to make a decision. What was, what was more important to me? Did I want to spend, you know, did I want to try to make an extra phone call to sell the services of my company uh, so the company can make more money, or did I want to help my father cure his cancer? And uh, mm. so that was a easy decision to make. I, I had also, you know, have had some financial success, so so for me it was it was um, I I I. I and I also had really a good amount of confidence in my ability to find a job when I needed one. So um, not having the income uh, wasn't as big of a decision as it might be for, for, for others. Um, and, you know, as far as what happened about why the business started, it was really just that the amount of knowledge that I accumulated was very vast and, and wide and deep. And, <clears throat> And I looked at the industry I was in. The industry that I was in was having some some problems, and uh, I really wanted to get out of it. And I sort of sat back and I said to myself, you know, 
I, I'm a true believer that if people knew what I know about how we uh, diagnose, um, treat, track, and track the treatment of cancer today, just the knowledge that they have about, just the knowledge that if I could share my knowledge, that that sharing of my knowledge that I have would increase prognosis. And uh, so that was, uh, so that was the kind of basis of why I decided to, to go down this path. You know, what's interesting is that you have been able to put a laser focus on what we all struggle with, but yet we don't understand that's the struggle. And what you had said just a few minutes ago is basically you have this moment in time and who do you give the moment to? So you had a choice between the company you worked for, the dad you love. Yeah, right. And And it was a, it was a tough decision because my dad's not the nicest man in the world. Um, he's very uh, old school and a lot of his philosophies and politics. And so we butted heads a lot. Um, he, he actually offered to pay me and I actually turned that down because then I would become his employee and I didn't oh. want to become his employee. I wanted, yeah. I wanted to, yeah, I wanted, to, I wanted to be his son that was doing this because I loved him, even though he was a very hard man to deal with. I didn't want to become his employee. Right. Um, so even in light of all those things, I still, I, still made, I still made that decision. Yeah, I think it's interesting when you think about love and caregiving, because I, I would say that I have somewhat of a similar relationship with my parents where that um, sometimes I struggle. I think, do I love them? But yet I love myself. And so I continue to help them and support them. And because of that, I find the love then for them. It's just an odd experience. Yeah. yeah, you know, and that's a really good point you bring up. And, you know, when I when I talk to other caregivers, especially the ones that are struggling with how much time to uh, how, how much time to give, because that's always the magic question, how much time should I give? Because you can give a lot or give a little. Uh, uh, I, I needed, I, I look at it as I have to be able to sleep at night. I have to be yeah. able to be conscious and sleep at night. And I, I didn't want to have, I, 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 I was warned about regrets after my father passed. And I was warned that, you know, if there are any regrets you have, if there are any conversations that aren't had, if there are, aren't, aren't any things that, are, that aren't, you know, tidied up, you know, buttoned up, those regrets may haunt you for a good period of time because after the person has passed, you don't have the opportunity to face those with that person anymore. So I really looked at it as when I looked at how much time should I engage, it's how much time should I engage so that I can sleep at night and so and then after my father had passed, you know, that I wouldn't have any any regrets. And that was really how that, – that was my litmus for figuring out how much time I wanted to spend. Yeah. So before I sleep very well at night. And I sleep very well at night right now. I have no regret. I sleep very, very well. Yeah, that's what it's all about. Um, so I do a, pod, um, a, tw- a chat on Twitter on Tuesday afternoons at 1 p.m. Eastern time. So I just finished up the chat on Twitter before our podcast. And today we talked about enough, 
you know, how do we know that we're enough during caregiving, which is really the time, the decisions, the presence, right? Because we can always feel like we're not enough. We should be doing more. And somehow we equate doing enough with our, our carry being better, getting better. We have this idea that we can change the course of a disease process by doing enough. Ah, it's kind of funny how our mind works that way. We can really go down that slippery slope. And I love how you bring right. it back to, okay, I just need to sleep at night. So where's my peace right. point, right? Where's the point right. that I have sure. peace so that I can right. sleep at night? Right. Right, exactly. And I think it's being aware of that so that we don't give up too much of our own life because that also can disrupt the sleep where you feel like I didn't do enough for the other people in my life. And it's trying to strike that balance. Yeah, you know, and that, and that's that piece about, you know, when, when I realized what I needed to do and what my father required because that was a part of it as well. And that conflict between time and how much time I needed to do my job at work. Uh, and then on top of the fact that I, I, I knew that I'd be okay quitting my job. I mean, that, that was all part of that. That was all part of that, that, that decision to make. And, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm sure your listeners have, have, gone through many, many weeks where they're working, you know, 70, 80, 90 hours a week. And you just can't, can't do that for any extended period of time because you absolutely lose, lose yourself and lose your relationships with um, your other loved ones. Uh, and uh, uh, so it, it was, uh, once I saw that, once I, you know, after, after, about a couple of months of that, I was like, "Oh, I've had it. I've got to. I've got to do one thing or the other. I can't do both." So what's interesting is that a caregiving experience is also an emotional one, right? We are dealing with the emotions that come up with the fear of death, our own vulnerabilities, watching someone with their own vulnerabilities, which includes pain and suffering. I mean, it's the hardest parts of life and we have to figure out how to integrate that in our workplace so how do we talk to to our bosses about it how do we talk to our coworkers about it how did you how did you talk about caregiving with your bosses with your coworkers yeah you know it's a it's, it's another good question uh with um uh i i i was blessed to have um two very good direct reports uh both my companies were small at the time there were there was a manage i was part of the management staff and the management staff was just a handful of people uh, so small companies made it made it made it very easy to talk to i had two very good and i and and you know i would let them know these are the things that are going on. These are the really important things that are going on. And as I, as events came up, like doctor's appointments, uh, surgeries, 
uh, I would always tell them these are the things that I'm doing today and just be open and honest with them. And in return, I asked that if they felt that my work was slipping, that they let me know because over the least for the foreseeable future, I was going to be doing really two jobs at, at, at once. Uh, and I just erred on the side of just a lot of communication. Uh, so that's kind of how I dealt with that, if that answers your question. Yeah, and I love that second part of it, which is to ask for that honest feedback. If you see I'm slipping here in the workplace, please let me know. Yeah, sure, because, you know, I think part of it is that we have to manage it, 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 a lot of responsibility. Part of it is that is that I think it's up to us to manage our bosses in a way, you know, mm-hmm. because bosses can be a lot of different personalities, and the worst personality would be passive-aggressive. And you really don't, you know, I, I just figured you really don't know what kind of personality your, your boss is. You may think you know him very well, but until something something really serious comes up or something uh, unexpected comes up, you know, you, you don't know how somebody is, you know, when, when, they're, when they're under a lot of stress. So I wanted to make sure that there was none of that issue. So, uh, you know, I, I, I always asked, you know, I... I wound up doing weekly status reports with my bosses. I always ask them, how do you think I'm doing? Am I doing well? Am I meeting your expectations? You know, and I would always ask them, how can I help you? Uh, And that went a very, very long way in ensuring that, that, that they were happy with my work. I think it also went a long way to just them kind of covering for me, you know, it brought me kind of a little bit closer with my bosses. And so, you know, when, when there were times, there were times that I just couldn't perform when, they, when I couldn't perform, they would just cover for me because they knew what I was doing and they, and they knew that I, and they liked me as an employee. So they were willing to, you know, that my enhanced communication with them allowed them the confidence to go up to their bosses and cover for me for, you know, you know, to, 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 to and cover for me to their boss. So those times when you knew that you just weren't showing up 100%, I guess, did you know that? You know how sometimes you get so caught up in the pressing moment and the pressing problem of the moment that you can't stand back and think, oh, my gosh, but I have not been as focused on work as I, as I was last week. Were you aware of that when it was happening? Yeah, 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 no, absolutely. I was, I was, I was very aware of it. Um, yeah, you just have to, I don't know, I just, I, 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 at those times, things were happening so quickly, you know, I, I, I think my, my take on it was, well, you know, uh, I'm good at what I do, and even though if I'm only putting, even if I'm only, you know, 75% or 70% as productive, you know, and maybe this is a little bit of arrogance, but, you know, that still might be better than 100% of somebody else. And um, I, I, I'm just going to have to, I have to live with that. And I'm okay with that. It, the, really the question is, is my boss okay with that? You know, mm-hmm. that's the real question, right? right? Because it doesn't matter what mm-hmm. I think because the objective is to keep the job, which it is you know, it doesn't really matter what I think. It just matters 
where is my boss's head at, and how do I make sure that I know exactly where his head is at as I'm going as I'm going through this process. Right. So then you're not surprised by something that your boss says to you, or you take the yeah, risk I mean, the of being one, surprised. Yeah, I mean, the last thing I wanted to have happen was my boss come come to me and say, "I'm not happy with your product. I'm not happy with your output." Or the you know the, the 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 amount of it or the quality of it, and so it was you know I took on the responsibility to ensure that I never had I never had that I never had that that um, I never had my caregiving be a reason for that. There might be other reasons that might not deal with me not having enough time, but I wanted to make sure that it wasn't that you know it wasn't the caregiving piece of it. Do you think that your bosses understood what you were going through? Absolutely not. No, not only that, not only do they not really fully understand, um, they also um, didn't believe me, <laughs> I think. You know, and oh, I get so, that. Where it just sounds like you're making it up. How could that be? How could that really be happening? Oh, yeah. Oh, I, yeah. Yeah. Has been and, no. and, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and and so um mm. uh it it would be interesting to, to, to talk to them now that there's been some time that has gone by to to uh get their perspective on what they were thinking, but I I, I know I I'm I'm pretty acutely aware of what they were thinking and, and um and part of it was because some of the things we were doing were very unique. Uh, we were we were doing a lot of we were doing a lot of research. We were doing things like I'll give you a simple example. Like we wanted to make sure that we were using the best radio, you know, radiology imaging machine um, that we could use because and the newer machines. They, they're more precise with lower dosage of radiation. So we wanted to make sure that, that it was important that we were using the latest machines and to go and figure out what's, what's the latest and best machine and how do I make sure it gets paid by my insurance. That is not an easy question to ask. The only way that we were able to do it is I actually started, because there's, there's Siemens and, and GE, really the only two makers. I actually called Siemens and GE got their salesperson, which was uh, very difficult to do, talked to their salesperson and found out from the prospective salespeople where are the, where are the newest and best machines. What's your opinion of who's using these the right way based on what we needed? Then I would call those facilities up and confirm. That's a trem- it's a, it's a trem- an unbelievably tremendous amount of work. And, and at least from my experience, I'm – Thinking, I'm the only person that's ever done this before. Attacked, attacked a disease from that kind of detailed perspective, and so you try to explain that to to you know your boss, which you can't. Yes. But thinking that wh- why would you be doing that? Why do you need to do that? You know, it's going through the head. You know, that's taking yeah. that that is work. That's that's taking the time away from from your productivity, your work. You know, so. Um, there's definitely that piece, and and until until they go through it in the same way that I went through it, 
they'll never understand. Yeah. They'll ne- they'll never understand. So you were really giving yourself that peace of mind, doing everything that you you could so that you could sleep at night afterward and not be plagued by the question of what if I had found the right facility? What if I had called to find out which facility uses which devices most effectively? You were, you were working on that. You were doing what you could so that your dad had the best and you had that peace of mind. Absolutely. And I think until you're faced with someone's death, you can't understand why you would do that. Right. No, and, 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 and then plus everyone's different. I mean, I can't tell you how many people I meet um, from my mentorship in Imaging the Angels where they, where they kind of say to me, uh, you know, I'm only doing this because I feel obligated to do it because I'm like their daughter. Uh, that happens. Right. I hear that so yes. many times. And they're, and they're right. like, well, my dad's kind of a, you know, my dad yes. is not the nicest person and I'm not really right. close to them, but I'm only doing this because I feel obligated that I have to do this. Right. So there was definitely some of that with me as well. Um, I, I was just able to overcome that, but, um, but yeah, but that's, that's, that's a piece. That's a yeah. Point. And it's the idea that we all make the decisions that are right for us. Sure. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Which it requires flexibility. Right. And sometimes the right. workplace doesn't allow for that kind of flexibility. No, I would imagine it doesn't. And uh, you know, now I was in a, I was a, a director role, and so just by that level of responsibility, I, I, I had that flexibility. Uh, I think that um, as you go down the chain within a large corporate structure, um, you may have less and less and less flexibility as you go down that chain. Um, I was lucky because I also worked from the home. So that gave me the ability to just take off um, when I needed to do so. And that gave me the privacy to have the conversations that I needed to have, uh, which, which I think is, you know, put me in a, a more yeah. situation than, than let's say somebody who, who has yeah. to go into an office. Yes. You know, I think that's such an important, important, point too it's that privacy not only do you sometimes right. need privacy for the phone calls let's face it it's you know you have to make those phone calls during work hours because that's when it happens and it's also privacy around the emotions um it, so someone on our website one of our members posted about having to work out transportations transportation issues for her mom she was working yeah. retail she had to have her phone with her because the only time she could call was when she was on her shift. And she's not allowed right. to have her cell phone, but she had to have it with her. And she was so frustrated right. at how long it was taking that when she finally got everything organized, she got off the phone, she just burst into tears. And here she right. is in this retail store <laughs> with right. the enemy, the cell phone, right? Which she right. needs, but she can't have. And it's too much. She just starts crying, and yet she's in this yeah. very public place. It's hard. Sure. It's hard. It's very, it's very, very hard. And and you know, to something like that, you know, 
I can't tell you how many times that my father and I broke the rules in our, um, you know, cancer experience. We did a lot of things that um, people got fired over, um, that, you know, I, no joke, we, we had people get lose their job, very high up in organizations lose their jobs because of some of the things that they were willing to do for my father. So I can't tell you how many times that we broke the rules in order to, you know, do what we felt that we needed to do. And um, I think that there's a right way to go about doing that and a wrong way to go about doing that. Um, in in the example of, the very simple example of, 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 you know, needing to have contact with the phone, you know, I would... I, I would hope that there'd be some communication with, you know, the manager and then the manager would understand that it's extenuating circumstances and allow something like that to happen, even though that might not be a policy. And I'm hoping that those kind of, those conversations occurred. Yeah, that's always the hope. And I think sometimes that happens in the workplace too, is that you kind of, kind of can be at the mercy of your manager, depending on who sure. you report to. You might have more flexibility than you might have with another manager, and that can be frustrating. Yeah. Where you're trying to yeah. make it work, but, and you can see other pe- yeah. people can make it work easier than you, and it just sure. so happens that who you report to well, is your obstacle. Yeah, yeah, you know, and and that's a really good point. And and one of the kind of tactics, and it is a tactic, it absolutely is a tactic. A tactic that I used was. How do I, how do I make the, how do I, how do I have that conversation with my boss so that's not, so it's not me making the decision about asking for time off. It's my boss coming to the conclusion that I need to take this time off or I need to go and do this. And that's a, it's a very subtle difference, but it's an important difference because if, if your boss is the one that if you can get your boss to a point where they say, Oh yeah, you, you totally have to do this. That's a totally different mindset for him or her than it is. If you're going up saying, I need this time because of this. And that was always, that was always my kind of tact on how to approach those conversations. So when you, when you started the conversation, was it that you presented the situation and then offered options for your boss as to which seemed to work best? Well, it was really just a, yeah, it was presenting with the situation and an agreement and an understanding that there was going to be times where it's going to be feast or famine. You know, there are times when there's really not much going on, but there are other times where you're just being bombarded left and right. Uh, and, it was really just a uh, understanding that there'd be open lines of communication, and it's just the way that I talked to him about it, where it's like, okay, here's a situation that's coming up now, you know, um, you know, what what do you think that I should do? You know, help me help me manage this yeah. so that I can I can not only give you what I want, but then also make sure that 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 you know, that my father's taken care of as well. You know, what's, what's your suggestion on, 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 on how to approach this? Yeah. And um, both of my bosses were very willing to have that, to have that conversation, 
you know, with me. They were actually appreciative of the fact that I went, I, I spent so much time with them to explain to them what, what, what was going on. And again, it, it really allowed them to have the, them to internalize and then have the conversations up to their boss, what's going on. And, you know, why is Darian only at 70% when he's usually at a, over a hundred. Yeah. Okay, this was fascinating. Darian, thank you so much for being with us today. This was just great. Sure, it's my pleasure. Uh, And I look forward to the conference in June. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. And just a reminder that you can hear more of Darian's perspectives when you join us on June 2nd at the Caregiving and the Workplace Summit. Happens in Chicago. You can go to caregiving.com for more information. If you need help finding it, you can also send me an email. My email address is denise at caregiving.com. Thanks, everybody, so much for listening. I'm Denise Brown. Be sure to stop by caregiving.com. Let us know how you're doing because we always love to know. Take care. Bye-bye.